0: So, if you joined us a week ago, Saturday, for Tina's ordination, you saw, or actually I hope you participated in, a ceremony where we laid all of our hands on her shoulders. The laying on of the hands is a a typical element in ordination service, not just for Unitarian Universalists, but through many faith traditions. It's not often done, well, I shouldn't say it's not often done. It isn't always done in an ordination. Sometimes it is the presentation of the stole that stands in for that. The 50-cent word is the investiture, which I promised Tina I wasn't going to use last week for that. It's a reminder of who has our back as we step into ministry, where we have come from and who has helped to get us there, present and past. It's a reminder of what we owe to the future. It's a reminder that we are surrounded by a cloud of witness, as our opening hymn said this morning, rank by rank, very often sung at the beginning of ordination and installation services in our tradition. The cloud of witness. The phrase comes from the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament. And what it means is we are surrounded by everyone who has come before us and the sacrifices they made to get us where we are today. And we owe something because of everything we have received. I wonder this morning how often any one of us thinks about in detail the the lists in your head of who your clouds of witness might be. Who are those people that brought you to where you are today? We know we owe a lot to the past generations, but we don't often call out their names or bring them to mind. Sometimes their influence sneaks up on you, maybe misremembered, now, for years, I have been telling the story, the ancient story I just made up, the creation myth of the great heart at the center of all things, using that as a, as a framing tool. And I was describing this one day, about uh, two years ago now, to my spiritual director, who stopped me and said, John, you know, this sounds a lot like some of the work of Pierre Teilhard de Chirin. And I said, oh... I haven't read or thought of him since high school. But apparently something stuck and synthesized into my way of thinking about the world, and so, yes, I will name De Chardin as one of my ancestors, as part of that cloud. Sometimes the members of that cloud we think of a little more intentionally. When I was a child, my my favorite uncle was my, well, he was my great uncle. He was the baby of the family of my grandmothers, maternal grandmothers, siblings. He was the cool uncle. He really looked forward to spending a lot of time with me and my brother, had interests in what we were doing, got us interested in things. He was the first person to have a computer that I got to play with. Uncle Ernie was cool. And he also died way too young. And he became kind of a touchstone when I was still thinking of people as being in heaven watching down on me, kind of a bellwether for me, especially in my teenage years when the synapses weren't done baking yet and I was guaranteed to do something stupid at least once a day. And in the back of my head was always the thought, Man, I hope Uncle Ernie isn't watching this. What would he be thinking of me right now? Pause for a moment and just call to mind some of the names that you might add into your own cloud of witness. You don't have to to call them out this morning. I just want you to take a moment and see if you can bring specific people to mind. The cloud of witness for our Unitarian Universalist faith is immense. It includes Francis David, just as we were talking about in our time for all ages this morning, and it includes Channing and Emerson and Theodore Parker, the founding documentarians of our faith, and it includes the members of the Iowa Sisterhood that I preached about at the beginning of the month and Ethelred Brown, one of the first ministers of color in our movement, and everyone who was involved in what we call the black empowerment controversy in our movement when we were still struggling to find out what it meant to be truly equal after the passage of the Civil Rights Act, to the women in religion group that brought us the web of interdependence into our principles, and the water communion, and things like that. And it's bigger than that. It's people maybe only one or two people are aware of, and it's everybody that is coming after us as well. Here's the thing about the cloud, though. It's not, a, it's not an object for worship. It's not something that we place up on a pedestal and venerate. It is like an actual cloud funny and vague and stormy sometimes. And Because our ancestors, the people who preceded us, didn't always get it right. Sometimes got things immensely wrong. Even in our liberal, loving, Unitarian Universalist circles, we had our moments. We had leaders who were proponents of eugenics. We had ministers who took part in the separation of native families in the 19th century and the running of Indian schools. We had racists. We had warmongers. We had a president during World War I who removed from ministry anyone who dared to speak out against the war. We've had our less than good moments as a people. And all of this, all of the triumph, all of the tribulation, all of the fallibility, all of this is the gift that we have inherited. So the question is, what do we do with it all? The topic for today is really accountability. How do we remain accountable to everyone who has gone before us and everyone who is here with us now, given all that we have inherited? And when I say accountability here, I mean that we are liable to be called on to answer for the values of our faith and the people who have come before us, the heritage we are claiming as we call ourselves Unitarian Universalists. Accountability is the ability to answer for the obligations of our faith. or as the old chestnut of a UU joke goes, if you were accused of being a Unitarian Universalist, much like the folks of Francis David's time, would there be enough evidence to convict you? How are we accountable to those who came before? The last verse of Rank by Rank gives us a sense of the mission, what they dreamed be ours to do. The story of our faith progressing through time is a story of promises that we make to ourselves, to the world around us, to the future that is going to be left behind after we're gone. We are making promises to the world through the values and the principles that we express. But we know, we know we haven't lived up to them to the fullest either. We are constantly in a state of redefining and reimagining for ourselves just how wide the circle is that we are trying to draw the world into, just how big the community is when we talk about the beloved community. There's a lot of unfinished business in our faith tradition. There are a lot of promises we still have to work to keep to their fullest. And we, because we have received this, we are the ongoing builders of that dream. We are the ones trying to bring it into fruition. Make good on the promise of beloved community, of values that carry love at the center. But hang on, Joan. We just said all of the, the gifts of the failings are part of that heritage too. How do, we, how do we remain accountable to all of that, to all of that mess that we might not want to focus on, that we might want to just forget? Adrian Marie Brown is a writer, social justice advocate Uh, activist. She's got a periodic column in the magazine called Yes, which is all about uh, solutions, journalism. I love that phrase. And she talks about her own cloud of witness, the ancestors she is accountable to. And she struggles with the same thing that I'm talking about. I often feel this unspoken hesitation, she writes, When I am in rooms of mixed cultural heritage, when we are invited to call our ancestors into the room, a flitter of questions across the brow, are you sure? Even my ancestors? Even the ones who messed everything up? My answer to that hesitation, she continues, is that our ancestors are already in these rooms with us because we are there. But I suspect that the ancestral accountability we need, in more cases than we want to admit, is to continue to learn the lessons, continue to course-correct their mistakes and their limited beliefs without negating the long arc of our young species. I think about the things I grew up believing that now seem ignorant to me. This thought floods me with humility about how fast we can learn in times of change. To be accountable to my ancestors who were racist, homophobic, colonizers, capitalists, to those who killed and raped and stole land and people, to those who lied and robbed and hurt children and manipulated partners. I live my life not in denial of all of this complexity, but as part of an evolution from those harmful, dehumanizing, traumatizing worldviews. The gift in all of that part of our heritage is the ability to learn from the mistakes, to learn the things they never had a chance to learn because they died before they learned it. To Keep learning those lessons. And I think, too, to be the first one or one of the many who says, I won't carry this for you anymore. I don't owe it to you to lift these up as complicated or I'm losing my words here. complicated or or mishmushy. Much like the cloud of witness, we have many people we are accountable to because they are our witnesses, our ancestors. There are circles of accountability, sometimes they're concentric, going out from the middle, sometimes they're a whole bubble of various Venn diagrams that intersect with one another, who am I accountable to because I am here now, to my my ancestors, to be sure, to the pioneers of the faith I have chosen to serve, but to my family, and to my congregation, and to the community that I live in, And the country I live in, and the world I live in. Take a moment. Take a moment and just see if you can name for yourselves the circles of accountability that you are existing within. I did not have a laying of hands in my ordination. It was too closely associated to Catholicism for me, and I didn't want to have that as part of my moment. But we did do the investiture, because at the time the, the permission to wear a stole as a sign of your ministry was a, was a major milestone in ordination. And Jess made my stole much as she made Tina's and placed it on my shoulders after we had done the act of ordination. And my first thought when it went on me was, this is heavier than I expected. And the reason it felt heavier than I expected was because I felt the the symbolism in the moment. I was having placed on me, one, the yoke of a complicated job, The fulfillment in one stage of a vocation, of a calling I'd felt for years, and also that moment for everyone, every colleague today and everyone that came before me who had that same moment of investiture, everyone who had made my faith of choice what it was when I got here to this point, and the thought in the back of my head at that moment was, that's a lot of people to potentially let down. The weight of it. The work of the faith has many hats. The work of the minister has many hats. And the threads of the promises we are trying to fulfill are many and woven together. And if you've taken a moment to think about your cloud of witness, and you've taken a moment to think about your circles of accountability, you might be feeling in this moment some semblance of that same weight that I'm talking about. It's a lot. There is a lot we have been called on to do as members of a Unitarian Universalist tradition. There is a lot of difficulty in the promises that we are making to the world. Inherent worth and dignity for all people. Love at the center of everything. Beloved community. It can feel overwhelming. And you might start to think, as I did a little in that moment of receiving my stole, who exactly am I in this moment to take this on? My... my. Finite, fallible self. How can I be trying to fulfill these promises when the world is so, so broken apart? How can I talk about beloved community when the divides in community are so many and so deep right now? How could I possibly talk about a faith based in reason when the times feel so unreasonable right now? How can I share what I say is my faith when even I am still day-to-day figuring out what that means? Who am I to take any of this work on? Where do we even start by trying to fulfill the promises of our faith, when they are so many and the world hurts so much. And then in those moments, I'm reminded of these words that are floating around the internet, ascri- attributed to the Talmud, but actually a mishmash of various sources, Talmudic and elsewise. Do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. Do justice now. Love mercy now. Walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. Do what you can now, and I realize that's crept into the other aspects of my life, too, because when I teach improv students, one of my lessons is, if you don't know what to do next, just care about something. Care about one thing. And also remember, you are not on your own. You don't have to solve the puzzle by yourself. And it wasn't until I went back to the quote this week from the Talmud that I drew the picture that, yet once again, the, the, the cloud sneaks up on you from time to time. You don't have to do it all, but do something. You don't have to do it all because nobody can, because the generation that follows are going to pick up some of the work we could not complete. So we ask ourselves in those moments, where is my spirit leading me right now? what is in my sphere of making possible right now and i don't have to accomplish the whole work so what can i accomplish with just the one day today what can i reasonably do with the one week with just one month with just one year What can I do with five years on my hand, 25? A few weeks back during my question box sermon, someone asked me about what I thought about the future of Unitarian Universalism. And my answer briefly was, I don't know because there's a lot of things we're trying to figure out right now because we don't know how to reach out to new generations who don't trust church, and that alone is enough to make me just pause and wonder why I continue the work that I'm doing and why I'm showing up every day when there's that big X factor in the middle of it all. But the thing is, the reason I can still show up is because I know the gifts that I have received from everyone who's come before me. I know who's in that cloud. And I know that the promise that I've inherited, that we've inherited, is not yet fulfilled to its completeness. And I know that despite the overwhelming odds of everything, all I have for certain is this one day and when we save the world and we fulfill the promise one day at a time, one thing at a time. We know who we are because of who came before us. We know what our souls, what our spirits are capable of doing. We know, or I hope we know now, we are just one step in a journey that goes on and on and on. That cloud of witness has laid its hands upon all of us. We have all been ordained to some degree into the priesthood and the prophethood of all believers. So what they dreamed be ours to do One day at a time, one person at a time, one act at a time, maybe so.